This is Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. She's a columnist, commentator, and sought-after guest on talk radio programs around the country. She has a master's degree from Columbia University and an operatic voice that can shatter glass. Here's your host of Spouting Off, Karen Cataline. It's Friday. <laughs> I love it. Actually, I don't always look forward to Friday, except that I do love Shabbos. I light my candles. I never used to do that, but, you know, God had the right idea for taking 24, actually 25 hours off. I wish I could turn off the electronics and the technology. It is such a smart thing to do. I admit to a bit of an addiction. Oh, there's something I'm just going to have to answer and do. But the truth is, you know, the world keeps turning whether you get to it or not. I've never had that attitude. I always, you know, have to be everywhere uh, five, ten minutes early. Are you like that? Do you have to be there early because you have a bit of a type A personality? Yes. I I cop to that. Karen Catalina, it's Friday, and it's the Friday edition of Spouting Off. Here on BBS Radio, we also love simulcasting on K-Star Radio Network. Our show gets repeated over the weekend, and I can't thank K-Star Radio Network enough, and I don't thank them enough for carrying our show. I did a bunch of... Uh, uh, what I often do, which are thanks to my marvelous PR lady, I do a lot of talk radio guest interviews around the country. I do a regular uh, one with my friend Gary Jeff Walker out of WLW, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And, um, and so why was I mentioning that? Because it is amazing how much stuff there is going on. Yes, Joe Biden spoke. Yes, nobody watched. Yes, it was only uh, a little bit more watched than the Oscars, which gives me such great glee. I have to tell you, having been in showbiz some many some years ago and uh, made my living as a musical comedy actress, etc., I just thought it was wonderful. I used to look forward to the Oscars every year, and I would settle down with whatever it was was I was snacking on and enjoy. I never liked going to those parties, Oscar parties. The same reason I don't like going to um, uh, election night return parties because you can almost never hear what's going on. Everybody wants to schmooze, which is nice, but I'm not there to schmooze. I'm there to watch the returns or watch who won best picture. Now, isn't it interesting? The minute that they had 10 best picture nominees, nobody cared anymore about best picture. And in fact, I love that people weren't watching. I didn't even turn on the TV once the whole evening of the Oscars. That is a huge change. Of course, that has been happening for me for a pretty long time because 
Who wants to watch a bunch of arrogant, entitled, puffy poodles, <laughs> pampered poodles, uh, uh, congratulating each other and lecturing the rest of us? Now, now we know why virtue signaling is just so popular on the left. And unfortunately, it's popular on, on the right, too. People who have to tell you and show you just how virtuous they are, how uh, compassionate they are, how generous they are. Amazing. Now, if you really were generous and you believed in that, you wouldn't have to tell everybody about it. In fact, um, my Bible says the best kind of, and I, I argue with my Bible because I'm allowed to do that, uh, um, the best kind of um, generosity and uh, altruism comes when nobody knows you did it. Why? Because you're, virtue signaling ruins it for a lot of people. You know, oh, look what I did. Look what I did. But if you do it quietly and you do it privately, it's better. In the case of the celebrities, they want you to know that they came by all that wealth and recognition and celebrity and fame that everybody supposedly wants. I think they want it less maybe now than before. Kids want it a lot. Kids want fame to justify their existence. And I'm fascinated with that subject, but I digress. So celebrities have a bunch of yes men and women all around them telling them how great and wonderful and talented and marvelous they are. They, um, If you ever watch any of the reality shows about celebrities and what a miserable life many of them live because they don't have to be accountable to anybody, but they sure do feel like it is incumbent upon them to tell everybody else uh, how to be more generous, how to be more virtuous, and uh, that, of course, while learning their lines and playing somebody else and pretending, pretending for a living, they are experts on, on politics, on whether Donald Trump is a terrible, rotten, horrible human being and needs to be hated like Robert De Niro thinks. I used to love Robert De Niro, too. Actually, I didn't love Robert De Niro. I loved some of the movies he was in, like The Godfather, about which I am a serious buff. Now, The Godfather, you know, uh, Robert De Niro was late to the game. He was in the second one playing uh, Vito Corleone as a young man. Corleone, that is. And, uh, you know, almost nobody hasn't seen The Godfather. So here is part of American culture. We've got actors who think that they are kings and queens. They are certainly treated as such, telling the rest of us what to do. And all I know about the Oscars uh, this past couple of days, and it was fascinating that we saw the Oscars in the same week as it was delayed with the Biden speech, neither of one I watched. I did watch the Biden speech for about three and a half minutes, but it was so excruciating. I said, you know what? They don't pay me enough to watch this. And maybe I should have, you know, as a talk show host, maybe I should have. But it was so predictable, the platitudes, the lies. You read all about it later. I've seen some of the clips of this exceptionally low energy guy who can 
barely put two sentences together. He can almost not even read the teleprompter. Um, but finishing up on the celebrities, I think it is interesting that both of those things happened the same week because you've got the same kind of smug, preening, arrogant lefties telling you how great they are and how dumb you are. Why do you want to watch that stuff? And you know what? A whole bunch of people didn't. They have come to see through this pathetic cartoon known as the, um, <laughs> the reality that we are living in. Matter of fact, this week, and if you listen to uh, Spouting Off, either Tuesday or Thursday edition in Nashua, New Hampshire, still haven't been able to post those, but you can listen live Tuesdays and Thursdays at uh, 12 noon Central. That's 1 o'clock Eastern. All you got to do is go to my website, KarenCataline.com. And uh, you will be able to listen live. I think K-Star Radio Network also uh, broadcasts that show live. So that's a great way to do it. And we're just going to have to uh, lift those podcasts so we can put them on KarenCataline.com. But the number to call on both of those, and I've been remiss in not giving you the number for this first half an hour. We have a wonderful guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while but the phone number to call is 888-627-6008. It's 888-627-6008. Did you watch the Biden speech or the Oscars? My point here that I keep having trouble getting to, gee, I wonder why I'm a little distracted today, is that the same people in Hollywood and Washington and all over this country who count themselves among the left, the progressives, the Democrats, who many of whom are already socialists and communists and are telling you so, those people have no humility. They believe that their way of doing things is the way you must do them, whether you like it or not. Now, that's way contrary to the way leftists used to be, but that was when they were... Uh, trying to engage the hangers-on, the people on the bandwagon, into saying that the people in charge were the, were uh, needed to be challenged, challenged, challenged. Now that they're the establishment, suddenly the establishment people, actors in Hollywood who never read anything except variety, are telling you that they know best. They know that Trump was, quote, Hitler, but Joe Biden is a friendly and wonderfully uh, healing grandfatherly president of the United States. And you're not allowed to disagree. No, sorry. You have to think, act, and behave the way they say. Another thing that I uh, did this week, uh, as well as uh, uh, spouting off Tuesdays and Thursdays, I did a couple of episodes of the Main Street Radio Network, Alan Nathan's show, is that I had David Horowitz on, and he made such an impression. He always does. You know, I mean, he has seen a lot. He is one of our best weapons, David Horowitz, because he was of the left when he was younger, but he disavowed 
his liberal socialist communist roots. He was a red diaper baby. Obama, Kamala Harris, and a whole bunch of others were red diaper babies too, but they never disavowed their communism. They're still in the cult of communism. And communists always have to force, 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 force. They have to use force over you because uh, they don't have anybody to bully around if everybody goes away. So I say that, I bring up David Horowitz because he said something so important. He said Republicans have got to stop using such mealy mouth language. Uh, and he said cancel culture. Cancel culture is not what the left is doing. For one thing, they're book burning. They're book burning. They are censoring. They're shutting people down. They're banning people. They're, uh, it's bigotry and it's... Uh, Prejudice is what it is. So we've got to start telling it as it is, or we're never going to win the argument. Cancel culture is a mild-mannered thing that uh, the left even doesn't mind. Oh, cancel culture. It's not a culture of cancel. It is the antithesis of what America stands for. America stands for differences of opinion and arguing and then having a peaceful uh, transition of power, which, of course, you can't really have when you've had a soft coup, when there is so much evidence of election fraud, and yet none of the people in the deep state are curious about it. None of them are curious about it. Now, I want to go back to what I said. I have been a guest Uh, a bunch of times this week talking about, uh, well, you know, a whole host of things, but especially about this notion that the very people that are the least accomplished, the least honest, the most corrupt, and the most uh, ignorant are the ones that are in power telling you what to do. Case in point, this is what I wanted to get to. So case in point. Uh, I have been dealing with a lot of bureaucracy this week uh, in personal business that I conduct. And whenever you have to deal with a government, I don't care if it is a driver's license, that's a story. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, and that is in Texas. And we do understand why Texas makes it so difficult for people to get driver's licenses. Why? Because they want to guard against the hordes of illegals coming into this country. Uh, But what do they do and what do they always do? When there's a problem, they make a mass broad brush rule for everyone, which helps the left win. Think about it. When we had the shoe bomber because they were incompetent at being able to uh, stop terrorism, and, and I'm not saying that that uh, some of the airport security isn't necessary in times like these. But what do they do? They make sure to treat everybody like a terrorist because there are terrorists. So if uh, you are being treated like a criminal because, for example, they ask you for your uh Uh, paperwork from 25 years ago as to how you changed your name over all these years, even though you've been using the name. Uh, 
Well, that's because they're going to treat you with a broad brush collectivist view the way that uh, they always do. Now, I'm probably going to have to take a break here soon. At least I think so. Uh, I usually get a little note that tells me I'm supposed to take a break. But our producer, he's been dealing with some bureaucracy of his own. And I think that's what's so fascinating. The minute, the minute you have to deal with unelected bureaucrats, bureaucracy, government officials, everything becomes incompetent and you get five answers for the same question. You have to go to five different departments to get one answer. I mean, you know, uh, red tape bureaucracy is legendary in the government. Well, guess what? That's what Joe Biden wants to do to all of us, to our entire country all the time. He wants to bureaucratize everything. Actually, he doesn't want to. The people telling him what to do want to. Nevertheless, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls if there are any, 888-627-6008. You're listening to Spatting Off here on the BBS Radio Network and the K-Star Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. Are you among the millions of Americans who feel uncertain when it comes to their health care? We are happy to inform you that there is a solution, and that solution is Liberty HealthShare. It's a community of like-minded people who work together to pay for their medical costs. You choose your doctor and hospital, starting at $107 a month for a single, up to $449 a month for a family. That's mom, dad, and all kids. For more info, visit libertyhealthshare.org. That's libertyhealthshare.org. Well, welcome back to Spouting Off, and uh, thanks for staying through that short break. Karen Cataline with you live on a Friday afternoon, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Yep, we're live. But if you're listening to the podcast, we're very glad you are. We're talking about what we like to call an evergreen topic. Evergreen meaning it's good all the time. It's been good decades in the past and it's bureaucracy and red and government red tape which i have been dealing with incessantly all week what i think is so amazing when they want to make you a number and even the uh they're calling it now these technocracy of uh, not only spying on people which is the antithesis of america but also uh, forcing you almost, pretty much. I, I, I use force for true words of force. I mean, uh, I use the word force very specifically, but if you don't have a computer today, it's quite difficult to get along because the technocracy wants you to have a computer so they can track you, so they can watch what you're doing online and off. Uh, I'm not paranoid when people are really after me, <laughs> that famous phrase. But the bureaucracy is dumber and dumber and dumber and dumbs people down. It makes us dependent not only on the government, but on the bureaucracy. 
Well, I can't do that unless I have an appointment in the system. This was among the many things I was told is that, that no matter how illogical and irrational that it was that people were sitting around with because some people didn't show up for an appointment, a human being cannot override the computer. If the computer doesn't have you in there, they don't want to help you. Now, that is just a tiny example of the kind of illogic, irrationality that places computers above people. And, of course, if people start depending on computers so much, I rarely talk about this, but I've seen it again and again this week. Uh, if, If people depend on computers so much, they cease to think. They cease to be able to do anything except push a bunch of papers and put a bunch of numbers into a computer and let the computer do the walking, like the, uh, let your fingers do the walking through the (laughs) yellow pages. Well, let them do the thinking here to talk about exactly the same thing. Only his, some of his, uh, insanity this week with bureaucracy for which, uh, Joe Biden and his Democrat minions just want to make it worse and worse and worse. Grow government, grow the technocracy, grow making human beings with brains feel small and stupid and make them submit is my producer, Doug Newsom. Hey, Doug. Hi, Karen. (laughs) Welcome to spouting off on the air instead of behind the microphone. So what example of this did you have this week you were you were spouting off about it before we, we got on the air oh i was <laughs> spouting off i i found that in business uh and i do so much of it as you know karen i'm morning to night i'll work seven days a week yes you do but the service has gone backwards to mm. uh, i mean quickly uh, whether it's food service, the, the the quality of the food, the quality of the waiters and waitresses, um, the postal service, uh, oh. almost anything the government touches, of course. Oh, uh, the sur- it's just gone so far backwards that most of your day. It always was the case that most of your day is spent solving problems, but now it's it- all of your day. Uh, you know, you might have five issues, and uh, all five of them go wrong, and not because you haven't put your best mind on it or you've worked hard it's due Hmm. to just simple stupid error and i'm finding that that's more and more the case and i don't see that changing as i was telling you earlier and Mm -hmm. i was making light of the situation i'd say we can all expect a brighter future tomorrow because uh, (laughs) service is going to get better you know you're going to hire people they're going to be smarter Mm -hmm. but we all know that's just not going to be the case and why and why do we know that Doug Newsom, my well, we know that is because we're letting people into our society um, that shouldn't be here in the first place unless they're here, uh, you know, through the normal course of uh, the, the channel. I know I spent five years waiting just to become a U.S. citizen. Uh, it was a dream of my family, and we couldn't even get into the country. I'd wait forever, but now they're letting so many people, and these people are not as well educated now not their fault i have you know but bottom line that is the facts and more and more of them are taking over these service jobs 
Um, and more and more is being outsourced to third world countries to save a penny. And indeed, we're going to suffer because you think, oh, I'm going to save a dollar by spending, you know, $20 an hour versus let's, let's say you're dealing with coders. You, you want to spend 120 an hour. You're dealing with about that, maybe 80, 100, 120 an hour. But on the internet, we can get those same coders for $20 or $15 an hour. And I have a gentleman, he works way, uh, you know, up pretty high in Hewlett Packard. And he says, you know, Doug, if you pay $50 an hour, you're going to get $50 an hour. It's going to cost you more than $150 an hour to get the same service you should by hiring somebody that's $150 an hour. And I, you know, I laugh inside. I think, oh, but I'm still going to do it because I want to save a dollar. Well, every time I do that, it always comes back to bite me. Yeah. Yeah, you know what else I would add as as well as uh, the reasons for some of the bureaucracy and the growing incompetence in the business world is that there is an elevation of and and reward for the lack of personal accountability. Uh, now that people are people are starting to lose, I think hope in the system that holds people accountable because the lawmakers are the most corrupt of all. So if they're rewarding people who refuse to be personally accountable for their mistakes, for their behavior, if all they are is a member of a group and nothing more, they're either uh, uh, white and the oppressor, they're black and the oppressed, uh, everything is parroted and uh, decided ahead of time, then there's no personal individual accountability. Isn't that so true? That's so true. And one can take that really deep and breathe that in because yes. that is the truth. We're breathing that in, but it doesn't feel very good. No, <laughs> it sure does. Especially, Doug, when there are people who believe regardless of what you believe God is, right? It, this is my fundamental belief. I believe this as strongly as I believe anything at all. It's not what you think exactly. And that is the reason why communists, socialists, progressives, and everybody else hates people of faith is because they answer to a higher authority. And that higher authority not only gave us free will, He's not forcing us to believe, but we feel we are encouraged to be personally accountable. Yeah, we know, have for, th- levels of morality. Yes, and, yes, uh, personal yeah, you don't accountability. See that anymore. You know, when they, they're pushing all this, let's be anti-religion, uh-huh. you know, it's really not going to do this country any good to have an idea where there's no higher level of accountability. But it leads to socialism and communism. It right. always has, always will. Right. It always leads to And now that. the government's going to be our family? They're going to oh, be yeah. our mom and pop? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know where this is going to end us. up. They love us so well, they're willing to let MS-13 gang members in and open our borders to come full circle to what you were talking about. Right. They don't want to vet immigrants to this country. They don't care whether they have any disease, let alone coronavirus, and uh, they're more sympathetic to gang members than they are to citizens of all colors who live here. 
Right. Wow. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. I'm trying yeah. to move, as you know, I'm trying to get out of here to a conservative part of the country now and uh, try, try to try to find a location in a conservative part of the country that's home prices aren't going oh. straight up to the moon. It's almost yeah. impossible. We are in a place of, of phenomenal uh, movement in the country. And I wrote this piece, uh, I don't know if I talked about it on this show or not. I've talked about it before. And we only have a one minute because my producer's wearing two hats. But I direct people, if they would be so kind, as to read, America is, is developing its own Berlin Wall. We have free states and we have slave states. And people are flocking to the, to the free states, but some of them don't make the connection as to why they're leaving. You do, my friend, Doug and Don, but a lot of them simply don't. So I just love that you are getting out of a certain place and you're, my, and you're planning to go to another certain sort of place. And, uh, <laughs> and when that's complete, then we'll talk about it again, okay? Thank you so much. I'll let you go back to your other hat, which Thank is to you, be my beautiful. producer. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Well, and I love, I just love having a producer I can uh, spout off with because sometimes dialogues are just better than monologues. Anyway, we are going to take a break while we get this next guest. I tracked him down. We had a snafu last week, so we've got him this week. His name is David Risolata, and I'll tell you a whole lot more about him right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Spouting off here on BBS and K-Star Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. conservative talk radio the k-star talk radio network is a christian-owned alternative conservative news and talk radio internet broadcasting network they have a full line of programming about spiritual political social economic financial and health related topics and their goal is to encourage critical thinking about the issues of the day The K-Star Talk Radio Network features great shows like America's First News, The Keith Hansen Show, Erskine, and Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Check out the whole schedule at their website at kstarradionetwork.com. Time could be short for a free people to share ideas in a free society. K-Star Radio Network is fighting a spiritual war on an earthly plane. Visit them today at... KstarRadioNetwork.com. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Adeline. Welcome back to Spouting Off here on BBS Radio and KStar Radio Network. I am just delighted to have, and you know, it's been one of these, three weeks ago I booked him and then we had a little bit of a snafu and 
This is the program in which I finally get to have him. He is a current, currently, he's a writer for Sons of Liberty Media. He earned a master's degree at, uh, in professional writing from Liberty University. And uh, interestingly, he has a bachelor's of social work, which we've talked about a little bit, from Northeastern State University. And he has two books, uh, Not on My Watch, Exposing Marxism and Education and Psychopolitics in America, A Nation Under Conquest. He, he tells it like it is. And a third book coming out from Total Publishing and Media titled Without a Shot, Shot Indeed, Inducing Compliance Through Social Science and Persuasion. As you can tell, that is the reason I wanted to have him on. Welcome to Spouting Off, David Risolada. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, you speak to the things that I have the greatest, great passion about, the love of America and also the psychology of coercion and compliance. Tell us about this third book that you have coming out about inducing compliance through social science and persuasion. Why do we need to get this book? And I think we do. Well, the first point I'd like to make um, about this book is that it was originally sent to Liberty Hill Publishing, where they had sent back their initial review praising it, you know, um, talking about they said that it was very educational and they said that everybody should read it, and they pointed out that I was really describing the loss of freedom in our country and then when I started making the recommended changes and, and doing some editing on it, they a couple weeks later they um, wrote me back and said they can no longer publish it because of its controversial nature, um, <laughs> which I thought was was really funny. And for for a few days there, I was feeling real good about myself because I had a controversial book, right? You know, um, uh... but that was largely inspired by one of the last classes I took in in uh, Liberty at uh, Liberty University when I was in a communications class and I had a textbook called the dynamics of persuasion. And there was a technique in that, um, in that book in the chapter called behavioral and attitude change. And that technique was called fear then relief. That was the name of the technique. And it was described as a persuader deliberately placing an individual or a population into a state of fear, and then removing that fear, knowing that they could easily get them to comply afterwards. And then I started researching that principle a little bit more, and um, it's found consistently in the communications journals, psychology journals, that it's a known attribute of human behavior, a known trait of human behavior. And so then I started noticing other um, similarities between that principle and things like uh Sololinsky's Rules for Radicals. If you've read yes. that book, you know in the prologue it says um, that people can be brought to accept change that they may never have otherwise if they reach a state of hopelessness, right? And uh, mm. that also kind of coincides with principles like the Hegelian dialectic, where there's a whole principle of uh, um, introducing the problem, uh, getting the public to react and demand a solution, and having that solution sitting in the background. You know, so I started mm. noticing all these similarities between all these things. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring, uh, like, if you go back a few years when I first started writing, a lot of the stuff was kind of conspiratorial. But what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to show that this isn't conspiracy. There's 
The journals show the science of human behavior that they're taking advantage of to get us to comply with what they want us to do. Does that yes. make sense? Oh, does it ever. And the one thing that uh, you didn't, uh, 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 that, that was implicit in this little uh, little paragraph or monologue that you gave is that we've watched it in spades in the last year with mm-hmm. coronavirus. Oh, ignoring, yeah. ignoring, mm-hmm. ignoring. Uh, now, the, every the funny thing country- about Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The funny thing about the coronavirus is in 2014, and this is something I mentioned in the last two chapters of this upcoming book, really focus in on this. In 2014, they did a compliance study or a review of the existing literature on face masks in in, uh, Singapore. It was in the the Singapore Medical Journal. And it was all done from a, have you ever heard of something called the health belief model? I don't think so. Tell us all about that. Okay. So, uh, as you know, all studies of human behavior take place Mm -hmm. under certain models of how they think the, the, the study is going to go, right? Um, yeah. So the, the health belief model is a behavioral change model, and, and it's based on basically people's perceptions of the... Did you say health say. or hope? Health. The, the, health. the um, health belief model. Right, right. Yep. Okay. And it's based on largely on people's perceptions about the health threats that they face, like the how how right. how susceptible are they to catching it? What are the barriers to getting them to comply? Every the, right. the key word in this is perceived. The word perceived comes up mm-hmm. over and over and over again in this model. And interestingly enough, even more, the uh, the model itself says that media and government are instrumental in in providing the cues of action. Right to get people to comply with with what's going on. So, media and government are are part of this model, and forming fear messages are a mm. part of this model to get people, which to are comply. now one and the same. Yes. Government and media are working together to pers- to coerce, not persuade, but coerce, right. coerce. and bully exactly. and intimidate. Mm-hmm. And they knew this. Yeah. They knew this going into this whole coronavirus thing that the, the a large part of the population would comply. You know, if you, right. if you read um, books like Nudge from Cass Sunstein, you know who Cass uh, Sunstein was? Yes, right. I do. Married okay. to so, Samantha Power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he right. was Barack tell Obama's regulatory Cass, czar. Tell everybody who Cass Sunstein was. Right, so he, was, he was Barack Obama's regulatory czar. Uh, he mm-hmm. wrote a book called Nudge where he basically describes how to use little social cues to get to push people into one direction or another. And mm-hmm. the big point that he keeps making in this book is, is the, their belief. And I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is true at all, but their belief is that people aren't smart enough. And this is where like the ideas of cognitive dissonance come from. People aren't smart enough to know what to do when they're faced with information that contradicts their, their previously held biases or beliefs and they don't take the time to go research the stuff for themselves. So they're, they're easily uh, moldable. They're easily persuadable because of this, and this is what they believe. And that's a big point that he mm-hmm. makes throughout that whole book. Could it also be, since I'm always looking at this 
socialist slash communist ideology mm-hmm. that requires that everybody march in lockstep. It it erases individuality oh, and, absolutely. and yeah. requires that people think, act, believe, even dress, whatever, so that they can be told what to do better. Uh, yeah. And so that, too, is part of the idea that they need to be told what to do because, I don't know, I think the real plan, the real motive is to uh, feed their own needs rather than saying they're too dumb to know or they're, they're not smart enough to do what they're told. That suggests that they care about people. I don't think people who <laughs> feel the need to control others do care about people. They don't care about no, their self-determination no. or anything else. No, and, and when it comes to the whole communist ideology, that totalitarian aspect, they're able to do that, um, you know, you know, B.F. Skinner, okay? Yes. B.F. Skinner said in Beyond Freedom and Dignity um, that people, that, that the fear of not fitting in or the fear of going against the grain is actually more of a, a, a control, is more of effective control than a full-blown police state. So that's something, again, that's found mm. um, repeatedly through through psychology literature that, that people have a desire to conform. I mean, me, the, the, one of the books that I'm studying right now by Jost Mirlu called The Rape of the Mind, he continually talks about this idea, too. So, so what I'm getting at, though, is the, the communists know that. Because, you know, Pavlov himself was Russian. Skinner was, I think he was Russian, wasn't he? Mm. But a lot, of, a lot of this science of behavior comes from Russia. So they know so much about human behavior that they can, that they can normalize something and they can say that it's normal for you to want to fit in and go along with the grain. And if you're standing out as an individual, what they were able to get away with in the Soviet Union is label that as a mental illness. Exactly right. Which is uh, quite a trick in America where standing out and being an individual is the very heart and basis of our Constitution. Right, exactly. And and (laughs) we're losing that very rapidly. This is the mother load for communists. America is the Mm -hmm. mother load. And they know it. Yeah, and that's what inspired the title of my book. because that's what Khrushchev said. Khrushchev said, we'll, we'll uh, take America without firing a shot. You know, they'll mm-hmm. wake up a communist country right one day. And, 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 and we'll sell them the rope to hang themselves. Yep, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating subject. I think both of our psychology backgrounds are what, uh, you know, drew me to your work. And especially, yeah, and and when you... And, and there's so few uh, people on our side of the aisle, really. I mean, when I was, I went to Columbia School of Social Work, as I told you on, on uh, the Internet, and uh, I wasn't as politically uh, uh, obsessed as I am today, but the number of conservatives were astonishingly small, not just in, in Columbia, but the whole field of social work is uh, riddled, the whole field of psychology and so many other areas is riddled with liberalism, which is constantly changing 
uh, to oh, yeah. justify its politics. Yeah. We have about 90 seconds. I've got some rather big questions to ask you when we come back, so I don't want to get into them quite yet. But okay. um, tell everybody where they can get your book, and then we will, real quickly, and then we'll take a break, and we'll pick it up right there. Well, my new book's not quite available yet. I just got my final proofs in the email today for me to, to approve for publishing. Um, the other two books are available on Amazon. Um, and there's, I have two websites. One of them is called indefenseofournation.blogspot.com, and the other one is defenseofournation.com. There's links for the former on that website, along Defense with a bunch of, of other research nation. material. Dot com And his name is David Risolata. We will say that again uh, when we come back in the interview so people can find you because this is a preciously uh, small number of people that really talk about this. And we need to because they're talking about psychology. we got to understand what they're doing. Hold on for just a moment. We're going to take a break. This is Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. We'll be right back after this. Do you have a secret that's been bothering you? Have you been wondering if what you're thinking or feeling is normal? Is there someone with whom you've needed to clear the air, but you haven't been able to find the right words? Sometimes you need an objective, second opinion to help you see your problem more clearly. Ask Aunt Emma, and she'll help you move past what's getting in your way. She's a former therapist who is wise and caring, but instead of therapy, she'll give you terrific advice. It's free to ask Aunt Emma and explain your need, problem, or question. If you both agree, you pay only $1.39 a minute. It's anonymous, it's confidential, and you'll be surprised at how effective it is. You can Ask Aunt Emma by going to facebook.com forward slash Emma. There, you'll find her phone number and extension number. That's facebook.com forward slash Emma. Ask Aunt Emma today. Thanks for staying with us. You're listening to Spouting Off here on BBS Radio and other points all over the country. Just go to KarenCataline.com and you can listen to a whole bunch of archives of Spouting Off. Uh, And we are uh, talking with David Risolata. Fascinating conversation, one that I appreciate and which conservatives, I think, talk way too little about. Conservatives tend to be kind of more scientific, and psychology is more of an art than a science, I've always thought. Anyway, David Risolata, his last name is spelled R-I-S-S-E-L-A-D-A, and you can find him at defenseofournation.com. You can look him up on Amazon and read a couple of his uh books out there and he's got another one coming out very very soon about persuasion and coercion so thanks for staying with us david risolato we really appreciate your time sure i appreciate you having me on yeah i do too and i hope it won't be the last time either so here's the question 
Excuse me. Let's turn it upside down or backwards, I guess, since we're living in a backwards world right now. Instead, I mean, we we not only need to be aware of the psychology that is being used on us, which is uh, the masks, which is a psyop, as sure as I'm sitting here, recognized it well over a year ago. It's It's a tool to make people submit, to get them to comply, uh, to make them feel hopeless and helpless. In fact, if you'll hold on a minute, I've got something. It's on my bulletin board. I can't reach it from my microphone. (laughs) This thing that I have very quickly, and then I'll tell you the question that I want to ask you. It says, I've had this and read this to a lot of people, and I'm uh, cutting it, I'm abbreviating it a bit. Did you know that 2,300 years ago, long before Islam, Arabs cover, uh, discovered that forcing people to cover their nose and mouths broke their will and individuality and depersonalized them? It made them submissive. That's why they imposed on every woman the mandatory use of fabric over the face. The mm-hmm. mask is the beginning of deleting individuality. Could it be yep. more clear than that? Yep, so I've here's, that. yeah, yeah, your thoughts before I ask you that question. Anything? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it, yeah. It absolutely goes along with uh, things that you find, you know, like in, I'm going to go back to Saul Linsky. This is something that I go back to over and over and over again. People will come to accept any solution to a problem if they reach a point of hopelessness and feel like there's no mm. future, you know, and that's all based on, what they've studied about getting people to comply with certain things. So, yeah, if they can make us feel hopeless. And, 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 and there was another book I read talking about how, how pandemics affect societies, and I cited this in uh, one of my other articles. People mm-hmm. need to come together on an individual emotional level in order to overcome societal trauma. So all of this social, social distancing and mask use and depersonalization yeah. and all that, man, they know this, Karen. Well, and it it, uh, it disarms people politically, too. Uh, Obama was a community organizer. Organizer. (laughs) And so (laughs) if they can stop people from organizing, then people feel all alone. And boy, that part is working because people are all feeling very much the same. But uh, it's more difficult than ever. And plus, they're playing catch up. So not mustard, but they're playing catch up. So <laughs> so here's one of the questions that I was just dying to ask you, and that is this. While we're looking at the psychology they are placing on us to manipulate and control us, I keep asking the question, wrote a few pieces about this. Tell us about the psychology, as you've observed, of the, the typical human need to control and manipulate other people. Now that's something that I haven't really looked into too much. Um, I've always been more concerned with, I asked myself a question when I, all the way back in NSU, because as a student at NSU, I had to write a white privilege paper. And, ah. and I, 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 I'm, at the same time, I was praised for how well I had written the paper but then I was told I was no longer fit for the field of social work because I didn't, com- you know, I didn't comply with the white privilege 
critical race wow. theory ideology, right? Mm. So, and then I watched, I watched as these professors in this program made everybody, and everybody complied, stand up in front of yeah. the whole classroom and admit that they didn't really know how racist they were until being exposed to this white privilege ideology. So this whole thing started for me that way. The question I asked myself is, well, how are people becoming indoctrinated into this communist ideology? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, why are people complying with this? And so the, the other side of it, the, the need to dominate and control, that's not something I've really looked into that much. So I, I don't, right. you know, well, I, I don't have an opinion use, on that right now. Let's put our heads together and do a little bit of analysis right now. Okay. Maybe some insecurity That's, issues. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're in the mental health field, and that's one of my favorite things to do is simply to analyze. That doesn't mean either one of us have the end-all, be-all answers. What it means right. is we're not afraid of the question. Okay. Right. So the yeah. first that, that's thing. That's a big point. Yeah. Well, especially because uh, socialists and communists are terrified of anybody yeah. questioning anything. Um, because they don't have a and, few legs to stand on. They can't prove that their their right. theories, that all they have is failure behind them. Failure so and force. Force yep, and failure. And force. They have to force yeah. you, coerce you, bully and intimidate you, and that's, uh, that's totalitarianism in spades. Yep. So yep. the reason this is so important, I think, to look at them is because it's a way to turn the tables on them and fight them. <laughs> Uh, ideologically and psychologically the way they fight us. Unfortunately, conservatives are very poor at this. That's why, see, you and I got to lead the way because I know preciously few mental health professionals of any kind. And you don't have to have a degree, but, I mean, you have to be interested in the subject. So a lot of it is narcissism. Narcissism is, I think, uh, uh, a good deal of it. Um, people who are more susceptible to groupthink, needing they uh, socialists and communists in general, the people that fall for it, they tend to need more social. Uh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> uh, reinforcement, yeah. validation. They need more validation of society than the average individualist, of course, because if the yeah, individualist like, needed that, they, yeah, that, they would fall for every fad and trend known to man. I think that w- the psychology of what makes, doggone, we're, we're running really short on time, the psychology of what makes people an individual and the psychology of what makes them a collectivist as as well as the strategists that constantly uh, uh, want to control and manipulate others is a, a, an open area. I apologize that I got to wrap it up now. Boy, it, that came quick. Um, David Risolata, uh, everybody get his book. One final, I've got to wrap up the show, so I'm so sorry, David. We will have to have you back. Uh, again, because I love this discussion. Let us know when your next book comes out, but hopefully we'll have you on uh, much before that and your articles. So thanks for joining us. That about does it for us here on Spouting Off. 
I'm your host, Karen Cataline. Thanks to Doug for joining us. Thanks to everyone that makes the show possible. And many thanks to H.W., the guy with an IQ greater than that of a small soap dish. Tune in next week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays for more Spouting Off because there will be way a lot to spout off about here on Spouting Off. 